Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And this week we are chatting with author, adventurer, badass, extraordinaire, Caroline Paul. Um, about a month ago, I think I was just flipping through some outside magazine articles and I stumbled across a TED Talk. And usually if it's a TED Talk, you know, I'll watch I'll watch it. And I guess if you don't know what a TED Talk is, where have you been? But if you don't, um, <laughs> there are these little 15 to 20 minute speeches, lectures, however you want to say it, um, that are awesome. They're basically talks from really smart people. So if you want to hear really smart people talk, listen to some TED Talks. <laughs> But anyways, this one, so usually I'll watch them and I'll come away from the experience thinking, oh, that was a good idea. Or, oh, that person was obviously a very good speaker. Um, but Caroline's, which is entitled To Raise Brave Girls, Encourage Adventure. I came away from her TED Talk with a completely just, my mind was completely blown. And all of a sudden, I started self-assessing, you know, how I am parenting my girls and whether or not that's encouraging um, bravery, boldness, or whether it's encouraging fear. And so after watching that, I instantly wrote down her name as someone I would love to talk to, like a dream guest to chat with on the podcast and uh, reached out. And I'm grateful so very grateful that Caroline said yeah and she wanted to she wanted to talk chat with me about this so and just some background in case this is your first like a bigfoot podcast that you're tuning into um I'm a young young dad of two daughters and I have I have a three and a half year old and I have a 10 month old and like most parents I want them to grow up to be successful courageous i want them to be confident in their decision making abilities um confident in in themselves i want them to have an understanding of themselves and basically i want them to be just awesome contributors to, to society and i want to be there listening to hearing about maybe even experiencing with them all sorts of adventures that they are able to go on in their lives. But also, like most parents, at times, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> and it's terrifying. You, as a parent, you think about and you worry and worry and worry and worry about so many things that could possibly happen to your kid. And... To Caroline's point, which she'll get into in this podcast, sometimes, th though those worries come from a place of caring, they can possibly be harmful to the way we're raising specifically our daughters. Like, maybe we're accidentally emphasizing the trait of fear above all else. And right now, before you even start the podcast, I would love it if you pause this and go to YouTube or TED Talks and listen to Caroline's talk. Uh, it'll kind of give you an idea of where she's coming from here. 
But I, I think about it in terms of myself and how I'm raising my daughters and whether or not I'm raising them in a way that aligns with my ultimate goal, which is having these happy, wonderful, adventurous human beings. And so her talk really made me start reflecting on that, analyzing, assessing, maybe just being aware of the language I'm using with them, where in certain situations it's be careful, be careful, watch out, don't do that, um, versus more nurturing language, like making them possibly aware of a danger but also instructing them on how to safely do the activity. So I guess if you're thinking about a playground and she mentions this whole study with this fire pole and instead of just telling your daughters like, watch out, watch out, be careful. Rather than that, rather instructing them, put your hand here, put your leg on the fire pole. Okay, now you're going to slowly slide down, which will create this idea of self-confidence really and teaching them that they can rely on themselves to get through something that's scary and so we don't raise them to be overly timid or or cautious and rather we kind of teach them the difference between fear and exhilaration so after watching your ted talk figuring out that I wanted to talk to her really badly for the show. She would be a dream guest. Uh, I started checking out what she's an author of, and she's an author of quite a few books. Um, some of them are about her own life experiences, like her memoir, which is called Fighting Fire, which kind of follows, chronicles some of the stories of when she was a firefighter in San Francisco, which is definitely on the queue of books that I must read <laughs> over the next few weeks before I go back to school. Um, but the one I picked out was called The Gutsy Girl, Escapades for Your Life of Epic Adventure. And in a sense, the book is not written for me. I, like, I'm a 30-year-old man, <laughs> and this book is designed to empower young women specifically you know girls as they're entering their formative years and really figuring out and discovering who they are and maybe even trying to define who they are but that being said i freaking loved the book it was awesome it was an excellent book each chapter tells a story from caroline's life and let me tell you her life has been epic it has been a life of adventure and so if you like this podcast and we try to talk to adventurers i mean this book would be right up your alley it's everything from paragliding to rafting trips which sounded very intense to becoming a member of the national luge team i mean that's all there and then I think she does a great job afterwards, after each chapter, she gives examples of other brave, adventurous women. So if you are reading the book or you are giving this to your daughter or your niece or someone 
they can start researching and developing their own heroes to look up to in their lives. So, needless to say, this is definitely a book my daughters will read in the future. And I would even go so far as saying that this is a book that I'm going to have in my classroom as something to share for the seventh graders uh, that I will be teaching. I thought it was that powerful. And I love that Caroline is on this quest to empower young women. It's amazing. And I hope she keeps it up. And she's the best. I don't know how to say it. She was awesome. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Before we get into it, just real quick business. Uh, if you like this podcast or you enjoy it, then you can find all of our episodes um, basically anywhere where you're listening to podcasts. So if that's SoundCloud, if it's iTunes, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. So look it up, Like a Bigfoot. You can also find us on the internet at likeabigfoot.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Like a Bigfoot. All right. That's enough of me blabbing on here during the intro. Let's get right into it. Huge welcome to one of the dream guests of this podcast, Caroline Paul. So today I have Caroline Paul on the show, um, mostly because I, I'm a, selfishly, it's really selfishly, I'm going to be honest, like I'm a dad of two girls, um, a 10 month old and a three and a half year old. And like, I just want them to grow up brave <laughs> and I want them to be independent and confident and, you know, well adjusted girls who go on adventures. And, um, and so I saw your Ted talk, um, w you know, which, which is all about raising brave girls and encouraging adventure. And so it connected with me Honestly, it connected with me more than any other TED Talk I've ever, ever watched. Wow, thank you. That's yeah. great. Thank you. Yeah, so how did you, I mean, and then, and then you wrote a book, and I just finished the book this morning called Gutsy Girl, and it's, uh, I don't know, is it, is it kind of your mission to encourage, encourage this bravery and kind of like generate these adventurous women? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'm sort of an adventurer myself first and foremost, as opposed to an evangelist for anything. But I have long been very um, kind of uh, befuddled by my peers, my female peers, who all who often won't do something because they say they're scared. And so ever since I've I've been, I was a firefighter for many years, and people would come up to me a lot and ask me not are you strong enough, which was a question that sort of made sense, especially at the time, because I got in in 1989, uh, before a lot of women were doing really physical things. And instead they would ask me, are you scared? And I was kind of, um, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me because the answer was pretty much no. I was young. I was like a lot of the men in my station, we were, um, uh, we liked fighting fires and we liked, we loved adventure. And so it, it became kind of tedious when people asked me over and over and they never asked my male counterparts. 
And so for a long time, I've been, um, you know, sort of uh, wondering why that was. And so I kind of went on a quest to figure it out. And the result is a book for girls called The Gutsy Girl. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really kind of a it's 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 a it seems like it's a book for um, adolescent girls or, you know, girls before they're really coming into their own and like while they're still developing mentally and just kind of figuring out who they are. And so, you know, as as a guy who's taught middle school in the past and is going to teach it again in the future, I mean, I just think it's a really important book for like I'm going to have it on my bookshelf in my classroom and let my kids check it out. Um, Thank you. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was actually it was I was very conscious of my audience. I really wanted it to be girls before they hit puberty, because I'm sure you know this, but studies have shown that a peak of a female's confidence that means are you know all women in all in our whole life our confidence our confidence peaks at age nine. Now, I, I know, did not that the, know that. Sort of, that's shocking. That's shocking. Yeah. Now, there, the, obviously, the metric for confidence is um, you have to know it because some of us feel more comfortable in our skin as we get older, and we certainly feel um, we understand the world better. But I think what their metric was for confidence was things like um, speaking out, um, you know, uh, not feeling self-conscious all the time, um, probably getting dirty, things like that. So, uh, and it, and it made sense to me. I think girls, by the time they hit puberty, the, the pressures on girls, which you probably know well as a middle grade teacher, but the, the three, the pressures to be pretty, to be perfect and to be nice really converge. And by then, I think it's really hard to talk to a girl about getting outside and being dirty and being adventurous to learn all those you know, valuable life lessons that adventure gives us. So I really wanted to talk to those girls, those girls who are at the peak of their confidence. Yeah. And so did it, yeah, I mean, you mentioned being a, a firefighter and and talking to the male firefighters who no one ever asked them if they were scared. Um, I mean, did it take you a while to kind of realize that this was sort of a, just a kind of a mission you wanted to go on? Yes, it did actually. Um, it, it, well, it took, it was always a curiosity for me, but it was never something I wanted to sort of write about or even talk to people about. I was just annoyed <laughs> because it was something that I encountered a lot. You know, I'm a, yeah. I'm also a, para, a paraglider and I surf and, you know, I like, I just like being outside. And, um, I found that a lot of my friends didn't want to join me or also even worse, like would say they were scared a lot about things like changing a car tire or, um, you know, getting rid of a bug in their, you know, their room. And I was like, you're scared. Is that really the right word for somebody who runs into fires? Well, that's, that's what I consider scary. So, so I was just became curious. I was annoyed and curious. And then, uh, one day someone said, you know, you should write a book for girls about your adventures because they really need to hear them. Yeah. So that clicked. Yeah. And I love the beginning of the book. You basically are like, you know, I've had a bunch of adventures where everything went right. 
and we're not going to talk about those today. <laughs> we're just going to talk about the misadventures and the lessons I learned from them. Um, and I love that because I guess when you, when you think about an adventure, you kind of imagine everything going right. But it's important to understand, especially, you know, adolescents to understand that when things go wrong, it's not a failure necessarily. It's, it's a learning experience and it's an opportunity to kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of teach yourself something new. So I loved that was your very beginning of the book. Uh, and I love that. Yeah. Um, well, also misadventures are just fun. They're of just course. funner to read, <laughs> right? Yeah. But no, I think my my I think my biggest point was that is that adventure uh, carries with it a lot of these great life lessons, and that's why kids should be going on them. Whatever you define adventure to be, it doesn't have to be. A mine were all over the world, but, yeah. but again, that's because they're fun to read. But I'm talking about adventure for kids that can get on their bike and go outside, and it teaches things like resilience and leadership and teamwork and we we don't we don't really teach that to girls we don't encourage it in girls and so i think that adventure is the best out way to just you know let's get that going yeah why, why do you why do you think that's avoided for girls i mean why I do you think, think teaching that is is avoided well, I mean, I, what I what I found in my research was because I did look up a lot of studies is that we treat boys and girls differently. I don't care how feminist you are or how enlightened. I think our, the cultural pressures that we we undergo and the way we ourselves were brought up make it so that we continually teach our girls to be fearful and our boys to be brave. And I think it's because we think the world is more dangerous for our girls and that um, and that may be true, but my feeling is the best way to teach a girl to handle a dangerous world is to teach her about bravery. Yeah. Because when you teach about bravery, you learn to ask yourself the right questions to never get in the tight spots like walking down a dark alley. I mean, I think you, you become a much better decision maker when you teach a girl early to push outside her comfort zone. But um, as I say in my TED Talk, we actually caution our girls much more than we caution boys, much more. And they did a study with a playground fire pole um, where they watched parents men and women, moms and dads, and the way they, um, they reacted to their kids climbing on this fire pole. And they, it showed that parents were way more likely to caution a girl against that fire pole, against playing on it, whereas they encouraged boys, even if the boys were scared, to push and play on that pole. And then if a girl did want to play on it, they often helped her. But if a boy was playing on it they told they they helped him do it on his own so they gave him directives on how to do it on their own so to me and it starts so it starts so early that so we're early girls yeah. against so early yeah and yeah. it's it's a shame really because um you know i and I also i think the message that it sends is that girls aren't um able to do things and that's not really a message any parents wants to really give their daughter. So if they really break it down, 
they see they're doing it. But I think in the moment, we, and I include myself, think that we're actually helping the girl because we don't want her to get hurt. We don't want her to get in a situation that she can't handle. But what are we thinking? Oh, that she, but yet we do it with boys where we say, oh, no. In fact, honestly, if we did to girls, sorry, if we did to boys what we now do to girls, we would worry for that boy. We would think we were not raising him to handle the world if we cautioned him against doing things, if we didn't teach him how to do things on, on his own. And that's why. And then so my question is, then why are girls different? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, and that's the crazy thing, because in, in your TED talk, you mentioned the things that are commonly said to girls like stop and be careful and, you know, uh, I, I like watch out <laughs> or something. And, yeah. Oh, it's so hard because I've, I've found myself, I have found myself doing that in the past and not even in the past, like even after, and after watching the Ted talk, then you catch yourself doing it and it's just, it's really difficult. So it's, it's something like the intention is not as the parent, you know, the intention is you want to raise these like, independent successful humans eventually who are able to confidently go out into the world so the intention is all through love but you don't realize that you're necessarily doing harm um well yeah totally that's the yeah which is kind of the story of our lives right (laughs) yes yeah like this morning for instance i'm i was taking my daughter on a walk and we're at my mom's house um in kind of rural iowa and there's not many cars, but she sees a car like literally like a hundred yards away driving in the opposite direction. And she's like, dad, dad, there's a car. Get out of the road. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I didn't want you to get a hit by a car in the, you know, in the grocery store parking lot. But like out here, it's, you're going to be fine. I, and as you can't get you can't you got to kind of like try to think as a three-year-old when you're talking to them. And that's a very hard thing to do um, because they will misunderstand what you're trying to tell them and what you're trying to teach them, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you probably have more, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to tell a parent that they're supposed to get their child injured. I mean, people actually (laughs) often, they misunderstand and like, I don't, think injury is a good thing, but I think you can't stop your child from being injured by cautioning them. I think that's not the way you do it. I think you, you sit with them and talk through whatever challenge they're facing. And so it's really about like, do you think it's good to go outside your comfort zone? And most people would say, yeah, it is. Okay. So then, um, how do you do that? And how do you do that safely? And so, and I don't think you do it by um, telling a girl all the things that could happen that are terrible. I think you go through, um, you know, listing things like her skills and um, the possibilities of what can happen and how can we avoid that, but not fear. I know, I really think that just too often girls are told always to be fearful and we grow up thinking that being scared is an okay emotion to have, which of course it's an okay emotion to have in the right circumstances, but it's not really okay in as many circumstances as the women I know use it. Yeah. 
Well, if you even think about like if you just break it down to the fire pole study that you're mentioning, I mean, what are the chances the kid actually goes down the fire pole and actually gets hurt? It has to be such a small percentage that that would actually happen. You know, like even if it was their first time yeah. doing this activity on a playground, the chances are in your favor that they're just going to go down it and be completely fine. Right. And so it's right. kind and also of, if you have a boy, if you have a boy and a girl, you can look at the different way that you parent them. Yeah. And then I, ask, just ask yourself why. I mean, I had a friend say, well, you know, it's just that my daughter is more klutzy and <laughs> And I, first of all, wondered if that was actually true, because yeah. I think we just see girls through a different lens. And secondly, just thought, well, there's still a way where you can uh, encourage her, despite her clutchiness, because frankly, I'm really accident prone. I, I have, I mean, <laughs> I am somebody who gets myself into s- small scrapes, but it's always something I just learn and become better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can we kind of get into your... Um... You know, how, how were you, what, what was your personality growing up and how did your parents kind of nurture your adventurous, adventurous side? Well, my, um, I w- I'm an identical twin and I have a uh, twin sister who is two minutes older and way more gregarious than me, <laughs> at least growing up. Yeah. I was really, sh- I was shy and sort of receding. She was more gregarious. So and I was actually kind of a pretty fearful kid of the things that kids are scared of, you know, like the dark and um, the monster under the bed, that kind of thing. Yeah, Big yeah. kids. I was scared of all that. But we had parents that uh, were really um, wanted us to try everything. And especially my mother, who was brought up to be, um, she was brought up by a mom who herself was really fearful and didn't want her kids, her, my mom and my mom's sister to do anything outdoorsy. I mean, really, they didn't do anything outdoorsy. And my mom just thought that she would get hurt if she did anything. And then and when she was 21, she went on a ski trip and she didn't get hurt. She didn't die. <laughs> and it was a revelation for her. And so she sort of made a pact with herself that when we were born, that that she would, that, that our lives would be more exciting. And it was that simple. She wasn't trying to make us brave. She wasn't trying to make us confident. Yeah. She wasn't. She just wanted us to have a funner childhood than she did, and so as a result, we were outside a lot, and we were encouraged to try everything. And to be honest, back then in the '60s, parents didn't hover. I mean, we didn't hang out with parents. We left on our bikes, and we were back by dark. That yeah. was our life. See, I grew up in the '90s, and I even remember that. Um, I remember just running around the neighborhood all day long, barefooted without any, with maybe my mom was looking out the window, but that was about the most of it. And I just, yeah, I mean, I think there's a version of that that you can do. I mean, again, like people have all these, um, you know, arguments about how dangerous it can be and I guess I think that people should just really look uh, at what can happen, and then the benefits of teaching your kid to be more independent. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're, you know, if instead of making them scared of what could happen, if you're just teaching them how to handle themselves in a situation where they might need to handle themselves, I feel like that would almost be 
not safer, but like in the long run, it would be safer. But it is safer. Yeah. Yeah. It is safer. I mean, I have a friend who's an, uh, she's a, she did kayaking all around the world on big rivers that had never been done before. And her, she also has an identical twin and her identical twin sister was a ice skater who juggled fire. (laughs) And uh, it sounds like a here, this they, sounds like a made up thing. <laughs> no, no, I know they were they were just badass kids, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're and they're and I once asked their mom, you know, God, you know, Beth goes all around the world in her kayak and these amazing rivers, and Krista juggles fire. How do you let them do that? And she said, you know, um, Alex, which which was her other daughter, her Beth and Krista's older sister. She was killed on her bike a mile from home. So what can I do? Wow. That's basically what she said yeah. to me. Yeah. And she's right. I mean, you, you, there's, a, there's a limit to how much you can actually stop bad, bad things. So your best bet is to prepare kids yeah. to handle things. Yeah, 100, I 100% agree. I mean, unfortunately, there's some things that would just be kind of out of your control no matter what you did. Um, Wow. Wow. So, okay. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't tell my parents most of, you know, I, yeah, I became <laughs> a firefighter in 89. I told my parents nothing about the things that, that we saw, that I saw yeah. or the fires that I was in. And I ended up writing a book about being a firefighter. And then my dad read it and he said, I'm glad you didn't tell me that yeah. while it was going on. Yeah. Are you, so you, do you go by the whole, like, you tell them after an adventure what happened basically? Um, yeah, you know, I, I fly, uh, experimental planes now. My mom just doesn't want to hear. So I'll call her often when I'm driving back from flying and she'll say, what are you doing? And I'll say, driving. <laughs> Man, I don't, she doesn't it's not want lying, to know, technically. So I don't tell her. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. That's not technically lying. You, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> now if she, right. she called you while you were flying an experimental plane and you're like, uh, you know, nothing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the wind is. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. So what was um, your, but, yeah. What was your dad like? I mean, were, so were they, they weren't necessarily con- conscious of like, we're doing this on purpose rather than just to make sure you guys are having fun and having adventures and just being right. happy. Both my, both my identical twin sister and I were equally as outside. You know, we were given, we were, we were sledding, we were skating, ice skating, we were riding bikes equally. But, but neither of my parents were outdoorsy. And uh, as we got older, my twin sister, who is also super brave, but she channeled it into more sort of, you know, indoorsy things. Okay. You know, whereas I became, you know, obsessed with the outdoors and continued sort of learning about bravery and through flying planes or being a firefighter or being a whitewater rafting guide. There's so many my things sister, I want to talk to you about, but <laughs> about the, like all uh, the crazy stuff you've done. <laughs> uh, but I just want to point out that like, it's not that you have to be an outdoors person when you become a, an adult and make your own decisions. And you don't even have to be, you know, this, you don't have to do these extreme outdoor things when you're a kid. It's yeah. just that getting a kid outdoors teaches them all these lessons that my identical twin has put to use in other arenas and I've put to use, hopefully in those arenas too, but also in the outdoors. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes total sense to me. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the main themes of this podcast is that getting out into nature and, you know, having these, these experiences just make you a stronger human being in general. So, and, and then, you know, like I'm an ultra runner for instance. And Uh, after every race, uh after every race, like I take time to like kind of think about what, what I learned during the race and stuff, but I always can use it to be a better parent, to be a better teacher, to be a better husband, you know, um, just, I don't know, going through adventures or hardships or things like that. They just, they can teach you so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and is, it's funny. Say your judgment is off when you run a hundred miles. But. <laughs> they might be right to a certain extent. You, yeah. They might yeah. be a hundred percent right. But so, and then other people would say your judgment is off when you like do the luge or uh, paraglide. <laughs> so yeah, and I can see why. I can totally see why. When I when I as I say in the book, I I did do the luge, and for people who don't know what that is, that's a a sport where you lie on your back and go feet first down an ice chute that often the bobsledders also use. So it's the same twisty turny ice chute, and I was. Um, and I went to Lake Placid to train to do that, and I was terrible. <laughs> I crashed all the time. <laughs> How scary was that the very first time you stepped up to the luge and just looked down the tunnel of ice? Uh, not really. Really? Because we didn't, no, we didn't start at the top, for one. And oh, for two, I was young sense. and just excited. And for three, I'd been sledding all my life. So it felt like, oh, I'm just sledding. Which... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, how fast do you go? How fast? How fast do you end up going on that? Well, the top the top people go, you know, ninety. But we were so. Eventually, that's where you make it up to. But you don't start there. You start much farther down the track. But the cool thing about the luge at the time was that there was only one luge track in the whole United States. So all these athletes who were Olympic athletes from around the world came to Lake Placid to train. And so even if you were a beginner and terrible, like I was that first month, you met all these amazing athletes. I mean, eventually I was asked to be on the national team, but (laughs) that took a while. Yeah, of course. How did you come up with the idea of like, this is something I want to pursue? Well, like a lot of things in my life, I'm just simply open to the idea, and I just say to 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 what's around, and I say yes. Uh, and it just so happened I went to Stanford, and at the time, the top women loser in the United States also went to Stanford. Okay. Her name was Bonnie Warner, and she had placed eighth in the Olympics, which was the highest any American had ever placed, and she wanted to open up luge to the to the world to the to, to sorry to more people around the united states because at the time it was really only people who lived in lake placid who <laughs> did the luge because there was only one track so she wanted to open it up so she had these little tryouts on the west coast and i made the the team and we traveled to lake placid um on sponsorship and some of us just stayed i stayed and trained took some time off from college and stayed Wow. How much control do you have while you're zooming down the track? 
Um, I mean, you ha- you are always in control. I mean, hopefully, yeah. when you're not in control, you crash. Okay. <laughs> it's like any adventure sport. It looks like you're not in control, yeah. and people who don't do it think, "Oh my God, you're crazy." But you know that you are because you've been training, and yeah. uh, you know, like like I think I I, said, I definitely say in the book, being an adventurer doesn't mean you're reckless. Okay. Uh, that means that just means you're stupid. Being an adventurer means that you um, you are good at hazard assessment and you like to have fun and you put those together and you're on an adventure. Yeah, well, and then you also mentioned separating the feeling of fear from exhilaration and and that being kind of a very difficult thing to do because they feel really really similar. So how would you how could you suggest I don't know. Just pr- uh, how would you suggest going about practicing that that skill? Well, yeah, this is something that actually girls and women have a hard time with because we're so encouraged to be fearful that it's an emotion that we just sort of accept. It's a default emotion for us in a lot of circumstances, big and small. And so, what I encourage. Uh, people to do is to really stop and look at the fear and acknowledge it because fear is good. I mean, like, uh, like I've said, it's, it's a red flag and you want to look at it, but it's not the only thing going on. And uh, often what you're also feeling is uh, excitement, um, exhilaration, confidence, expectation. You know, there's a lot anticipation. There's a lot of other things going on and you're about to have fun and so you have to assess those too, and then you, you weigh it. And often the fear pales in comparison to the exhilaration you're going to feel and the fun and the fact you're with your friends, and you just put it in its rightful place, which is, you know, behind all those other feelings. Yeah. And you know, it's true that, that physically fear and, anticip- and uh, excuse me, exhilaration feel similar because you have the sweat and the the nervous tension and the high heart rate. Uh, but often it's just exhilaration. Okay. When, when did that, like, when did you kind of come up with that realization? Well, I've been sort of managing fear for a long time, just given the, the adventure sports I do. So, uh, I was a river guide when I was young and I, was part of a team of all women that went around the world doing first descents. This was in the 80s, sort of the heyday of whitewater rafting, right when there were some technological changes in the raft so that suddenly big rivers were open to people. So there was lots of unexplored rivers, rivers that had couldn't be done in whitewater rafts. And then suddenly there was this change and suddenly rafts could handle this big, this bigger water. So we were able to um, go to places like Borneo and Australia and Switzerland and do these first ascents. But of course it was scary. Yeah. Is this is big water. No one had done it. So when you're the first, it's different than being even the second, yeah. <laughs> because at least the second you're like, Oh, someone did it before me. But the first you're like, Oh, can really, can people do this? So, um, but it's uh, so I learned pretty early to manage my fear and, um, 
And that's how I did it, just parsed out my emotions very carefully because I didn't want to uh, lose out on a great adventure because I sort of mistook um, my feelings for uh, a big red flag and to not do it. Yeah. Did, wow. Did you ever have any adventure where, like, do you have a adventure in the, where you look back on it and you realize that fear did keep you from doing something? That it did keep me from doing yeah. something? Yeah. Do you have something you look back on and you're like, damn it, I'm never going to let that happen again? <laughs> uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't. I, I, <laughs> I kind of wish I did because then, then I'd be like, oh, that's the, yeah, no. But I, okay, let me just say that I have, I am not the same sort of adventurer as I was when I was young. Like now I, I know why I'm in the outdoors. I, I love being outdoors. I love the feeling it gives me, but I'm not sort of on the edge yeah. like I used to be. But you're still flying experimental planes. Maybe because I learned all those lessons, and I'm like, okay, that's good. Oh, cool. And then you, yeah, you I, kind of discovered who you are through those lessons. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Did you – so as I'm recording this podcast, it's, it's funny. Just to give you kind of a picture, I'm in my childhood room right now, my bedroom, because we're at my mom's house on vacation. And I mm-hmm. was surrounded – growing up, I was surrounded by hockey posters in here. And, like, all of my heroes were on the Chicago Blackhawks. So, like, Chris Chelios and Eddie Belfour and stuff. Um, so I was thinking about that this morning, though, and I was like, man, you know, for, for a boy, it's really easy to find your, I guess, like, quote-unquote, like, athletic heroes because, you know, the professional sports are male-driven, so as a, as a girl growing up, how did you come up with who your heroes were and who who did you look up to and and you know was there kind of a way for you to discover cuz well I guess in your book you have a list of all these girl heroes at the end of every chapter and I absolutely love that because that's such a cool just like you give them a little like paragraph of information so if a girl was reading the book they could, and one like really struck them as someone they wanted to learn more about. They could just look up more information about these, about these women. Um, I mean, how did you go about that when, as you were growing up? Well, that's the thing is like, I didn't have any female role models growing up, adventure role models. We just didn't really talk about female adventures with the exception of Amelia Earhart. And I knew about her, and of course, I did become a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> I got my private pilot's license when I was 19 or something. So uh, I think role models are really important. But um, so mine were all male. I mean, Ned Gillette was my big one. He was the guy that um, he, the red tomato across one of the big oceans. I can't remember, but he was always thinking up these amazing adventures, and I would read about him in National Geographic. But otherwise, no, there really wasn't. And so when I wrote this book, I realized that it was it was really important to have role models. And so I began to do research. And lo and behold, there were a lot of women adventurers that I could have heard about when I was young, but we just didn't celebrate them. Yeah. And so I hope I've done them justice now. And now we have a ton of great, really badass female adventurers. But I'll be honest with you. I have recently become, fairly recently, become 
sort of enamored with wingsuiting, which of course I will never do because that was my uh, and next I'm, question. I'm almost, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love it. I think it's great. I love, cause it's sort of the purest form of flying, but I'm not going to do it because I'm, I'm just, I'm, in, I'm accident prone and it's almost lucky that it didn't really come out when I was really uh, flying new things. Like I took up paragliding when it just came to the United States. So I would have been open to wingsuiting, so thank goodness, because I probably wouldn't have survived wingsuiting. But nevertheless, I just love watching the videos, and I could not, they never saw any female wingsuiters, and I just thought there weren't any. And then I stumbled upon a video. It turns out there's a cadre of female wingsuiters. There's not a ton, but they are certainly out there, yeah. and yet we ne- we don't really talk about them. So... While for sure um, women and girls are way more adventurous than during my time when I was growing up in the 60s, I don't know that it's changed as much as it really should because girls need role models. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just the thing that I do think is probably a little bit probably with the Internet, it's a little bit easier for them if if they're interested in that, they could look it up and maybe find some corner of the Internet that has female wingsuiters, you know what I mean? Um, whereas, you know, as you were growing up, that really wasn't an option. But the fact that mainstream, it's still not necessarily... Like, like when you were mentioning that, I was trying to think of a female wingsuiter I've heard, I'd heard of, and I, could, I couldn't think of one. Um, right. So, I, the You thi- know, I think we just don't... Well, I was just going to say, we don't... We don't uh, celebrate. There's there's myths in our culture, and I think the, one of the myths we celebrate is the hero, and it's always um, a man. A man. Yeah. And so we don't celebrate that in women, the hero in a woman. And so why would kids go searching for, you know, these sort of badass adventurers? Because it's not a value that they're being. Um, inculcated with, whereas, of course, as a boy, there's all these male athletes, and you learn early that that's really cool and fun to follow, male, you know, athletes and think that, oh, I could be that guy. We don't really have that for girls. Yeah. Do you think that's changing at all, or? I don't really. Not, yeah. I really don't. Not Not in the way, not as, not given all the resources we have. Yeah, I don't. it should I mean, be a lot more know, prominent. You, yeah, I mean, you've talked to many, uh, I'm sure, female adventurers. I mean, do they did they have role models? I mean, most of them just found that they had fun in the outdoors, so they yeah. latched on to yep. like their older brother or their male friends or their boyfriends, and they found all these new sports or new sort of avenues of adventure. And um, you know, I, I think I hope that changes. Yeah. And maybe it'll change a little bit with the book. I mean, there's these amazing women back in the 1800s who would climb mountains in skirts because they had to. Yeah. They weren't allowed to wear pants. Yeah. So they would do what the men would do, but in skirts. So. Yeah. Have you, um, have you, this is going to be a weird, weird question to ask you, but have you watched any Disney movies lately? <laughs> Um, actually someone told me to watch, um, Moana. Okay. That's what I wanted to ask you about. I've been like just eagerly waiting for an excuse to talk about Moana on this podcast (laughs) because, because 
you know, it's my daughter's favorite movie. It's the movie she has to watch, you know, a couple times a week. And we have to listen to the soundtrack all the time and stuff like that. So ha- have you have you been able to watch it? I started it and I couldn't really, I'm not that, I tried, but yeah. I couldn't. But I'm not saying that that's a, that was, that's not really a referendum on the movie itself. It's more about me. Like it's not, I'm not that you can't really keep my attention with a movie that's meant for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, and I don't even, I don't read books that are like Harry Potter either. It's, it's not that I think it's bad. It's just, I don't, that's not for me. So I'm not a really good, um, I wouldn't be a good judge of that. What do you think? of Mormon? Well, so I guess the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I feel like it has a very positive, empowering message um, for girls, especially growing up because, you know, it's not the classic Disney movie where, the princess is waiting for a prince to come along, like, you know, make her like marry her and things like that, which there's so much of. And it's so uh, like <laughs> I've always just like, oh, man, I don't want to watch this story again. Like, I don't want my daughter to think that's like the only thing in life. Like, I mean, obviously, if she found somebody who treated her nice and she loved this person and, you know, all that, then that's great. But I don't want her to think like. Someday someone's going to come along and just marry me and I'll be fine because <laughs> that's not the case. So Moana's not like that at all. It's about this girl who, you know, she has she has her own dreams and her dreams don't necessarily align with her father's. But then it's like she decides to follow her heart. And, you know, there's even a part of the movie where the rock like the rock, the giant, you know, actor is is like being scared and like running away and then she's like no we're not being scared she like grabs the rope and jumps on these boats and just like drop kicks all these little things and i'm like all right (laughs) i can dig this movie as a dad of of daughters so i just i just was curious like you know i as i watch i i do remember that now that i'm thinking about it i remember that i was really uncomfortable with the cultural stereotypes oh yeah i thought that they i mean i was glad that there was this was a movie about a brown kid that was awesome. Yeah. But it, the, the stereotypes made me so uncomfortable. Sort of the classic, you know, I don't know, um, the sort of um, uh, savage, uh, the sage savage kind of thing. Where mm-hmm. they, It just made me uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well... I don't I, think Disney hasn't done that right at all. They have. You know? They... they <laughs> They miss that every so often, uh, you know, where you look back at an old Disney movie and you're like, oh, no, I can't even believe this is a this was a thing back then. Um, all right. Well, I was just yeah, I was just curious about, you know, if you thought I just feel like people are trying at least um, to get these messages out to our daughters and to our girls. But at the same time, there's so much other media that's out there that's that just is a counter counterbalance to that. And it's, you know, well, as, yeah, no, even more than just trying, I mean, they're, they might be trying, but they're trying through the scrim of still not valuing certain characteristics in girls. So, and I think also, um, they are conscious of it, but, but I think it's what you're unconscious of that is really hard. So for instance, I just saw a statistic that um, even in crowd scenes in a movie, in a kid's movie, yeah. in crowd scenes, 
only 17% of those people are female. So we're, and, and then they have these terrible statistics on the female leads and how often they speak and if they speak what they do speak about, you know, and, and so uh, I think they're trying to change a lot of the obvious things like we need a female lead, yeah. but then on a, a more unconscious level, uh, the female lead isn't saying a lot that isn't about pretty stereotypical stuff. Yeah. And then the people in the, in the background are just, you know, so it's, they're missing the boat. Hard. Yeah. They're missing the boat. So as a parent though, like in that, in this environment, like what can I do? Like, I guess if you had to like give parents just like day to day advice about how to, how to help out their daughters, um, what would, what would you say to kind of encourage well, I would just go back to my main sort of main simple message, which is um, we do caution our girls much more than we caution our boys. And we have to stop that and start instilling bravery as a real value. Yeah. I think once bravery becomes a value in girls, like being brave, like it is in boys, I think we'll find girls in leadership positions um, and much more confident about decisions they make and uh, much more confident uh in themselves yeah awesome awesome and then i guess one last question to kind of uh wrap it up um in the book you mentioned taking a paraglider into a cumulonimbus cloud and as a science teacher i was like yes she's using some words that we have to teach Really, and you also, I could have, I could have given you some numbers like the um, feet per second. I was sucked up into that cloud. Oh. I did not take the paraglider into that cloud. I was sucked into that thunder cloud, which was terribly embarrassing. Yeah, uh, actually, a big mistake well, that I got out of, but was terrible. It's called, as I say in the book, it's called cloud suck, and it's really dangerous. Uh, and um, yeah, I. I, I you read it you read the story i lived i just like how you said it's terribly embarrassing where most of us would be like it was absolutely the scariest thing i've ever been through no i think most adventurers totally understand what i'm saying when i say it's embarrassing because i you know we we don't we want to be self-sufficient and we want to have you know made the right decisions we want to be badass, but we also want to be smart yeah. and we want to be responsible. And that n- none of that happened that day. Well, and that's I love that about the book, too, is you you add a lot of humor to it. And sometimes like self-effacing humor where there was a whole story where you're you're on Denali and you guys got yourself into a bad situation and you're like, your friend didn't have a knife and you're like, I'm going to throw you this knife and we'll be OK. And then you throw it and you just completely mister by like 30 feet (laughs) yeah yeah i think i compared that to like um you know at that moment in a movie the hero would throw that knife perfectly and of course it's not a movie it's real life yeah yeah and i was like i think i well i think that's good though that you show you know you're not you don't paint yourself as this like extreme badass necessarily like you definitely by the end of the book you come across as like an extreme badass but you're showing that like even extreme badasses in certain circumstances and situations you know don't necessarily 
look like look the part. <laughs> so well, actually, I, I do want to correct you on one thing, and I, I know people. I'm not trying to be coy or anything. I'm really trying to be honest here. So yeah. I'm actually, um, I'm just kind of a jack of all trades. I, yeah. I have been on Denali, and I have CPAC, uh, you know, um, um, in Alaska, and and I do paraglide and basically have done a lot of adventurous things because I really like adventure. I like the feeling. I like being outside. I like the camaraderie. I like the, the mental uh, tests that you have to put yourself through, but I'm not really. I lost no you worries. during the wrap up. So <laughs> you were saying you're not a jack of all trades. Um, but I, but I also think no, I am a, oh, I sorry. am a jack of all trades. You are a yeah. jack of all trades, but I do think in its own right, being a jack of all trades is a badass thing, is a badass trait to have. Thank you. I just want to make sure that I'm not an expert in anything. I'm just someone who's open to experiences, and I have a lot of really badass friends. Yeah. And uh, so, so I get to experience a lot. But, you know, adventure is accessible to everyone. And, and again, it doesn't have to be in a paraglider, and it doesn't have to be on Denali. Uh, adventure for kids certainly can be in their backyard or in their local course, park. Yeah. And for adults, it can be as well, you know, just well, something outside your comfort comfort zone is what it is. Exactly. For me, starting this podcast has been an adventure because growing up, I always defined myself as an introvert, being an only child and being a, a sh- I've always defined myself as being shy. And just lately, friends have been like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> You're not shy at all. And it has blown my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. That is great. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and do you think you were shy and you changed or you were never really shy? I don't know. And then so as we're, as we're having this whole discussion about, you know, as, and it's making me think about as I'm raising my kids, it's kind of like, I don't want to say damaging, but it shows like what your parents say do does kind of affect you in that way. Cause I remember always being told that I was shy and then I think I just kind of assumed I was shy. Um, though I don't know if I was. (laughs) So, well, I think that actually, you know, I think this idea that people can't change or, uh, is, has some truth. I think we're born sort of with a personality or, or you could tell me with, you have kids, yeah. you see the difference in your two daughters. Yeah. It feels like they're sort of born with somewhat of a personality, but it can, we can blossom. You never know what avenue is going to really take. So you probably were shy, Yeah. but that makes you a great ultra runner yes. and a great podcast interviewer. Well, and you yeah. know, what's funny is doing the ultra running has kind of, well, and if, well, as soon as I decided I was going to be a teacher, I'm like, oh dude, I can't be shy. <laughs> I gotta be, a t- I'm going to be a teacher. Um, but then being an ultra runner is funny too, because during these races, a lot of the time you're just chatting away with people, um, to kill time. And, you know, and so that kind of brings you out of your, out of your shell also. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think we should uh, box ourselves in like that. Yeah. With labels like that, yeah. Definitely not. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been awesome, and, you know, I love the book. I'm definitely going to check out your other ones now, um, you know, which I'll I'll link to on the podcast. But, but yeah, I'm like I said. Thank you. I'm, I'm buying your book for my daughters, but I'm also putting it up in my classroom. I think it's that important of a book. So if you're out there listening 
and you have a daughter or, you know, you know, or if you just want to learn about adventure, it's called Gutsy Girl, and it's, it's awesome. I loved it. It's actually got a longer title, and I have to stop with the long titles, but it's called The Gutsy Girl, Escapades for Your Life of Epic Adventure. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Chris. It was great talking with you. Yeah, have a good one. See ya. Bye. All right. Once again, huge thank you to Caroline for coming on the show, chatting with me, sharing her adventures, and really hopefully empowering everybody out there, whether you're a solo adventurer, whether you're like me, a dad with with young kids. Uh, I hope everyone comes away from this conversation with something. Um, And I hope it really honestly inspires you to step outside your comfort zone and start chasing whatever dream it is you have. I mean, being brave, like she said, being brave isn't necessarily, you know, standing on the edge of a cliff and jumping off and paragliding. That's super brave. Don't get me wrong. But being brave might just be signing up for a gym membership and going to the gym and making a commitment to go there every single day. Or being brave might be deciding to start a new hobby or write a blog or just do something outside of your everyday routine. And so there's so much that I want to kind of discuss about this episode. Um, I'm about a week out from recording it and I've had a kind of a week to marinate on how it went and you know, how I felt I did as an interviewer and all that stuff. And uh, let me just say, I don't know what it was about this interview, but I had a real case of the imposter syndrome. So I guess if I had to summarize my feelings was knowing that Caroline has been on all these amazing shows. She's been interviewed by legit <laughs> reporters. <laughs> I found myself kind of doubting and analyzing all the questions I was saying, everything I was asking her. And basically in the back of my mind, the whole entire time I had the little voice of you're sounding pretty dumb right now, Chris. <laughs> And it's funny because logically, I know that's not true. If As I listen to it, I re-listen to the podcast. And as I re-listen, I'm like, oh, no, like this was great. Caroline was awesome. She put me at ease. Uh, we had a great conversation. <laughs> but during the moment, I felt as if she was going to see right through me <laughs> and realize that no, I'm not a professional at this. And it's funny because I'm 48 episodes in and granted, I still obviously am nowhere near the interviewer or the podcast host that I want to be or that I envision myself at being, but I've done this quite a few times up until this point and that voice still came in 
and still and made me have to face my self-doubt. And it also might have had something to do with the fact that I was on vacation at my mom's house in, in my hometown. And as I was talking to this awesome, very smart, very intelligent, very funny, someone I look up to, as I was talking to this person, I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> oh, man. And <laughs> so maybe that has something to do with it. Because I don't know if, if you guys are like me or not, but when I go back home, or I'm around a lot of people that I spent time with as I was growing up, or I'm around my parents even at times, I kind of almost fall back into the same old routine or the same old attitudes that I had when I was, you know, growing up. (laughs) And, you know, it's been about 15 or less than 15, like 12 years since I lived at home. And I've grown quite a bit since then. But when I'm back, it almost time travels me and transports me back to feeling kind of the same way that I felt then. And so all of that was going on. (laughs) I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom talking to this amazing person and I'm facing the imposter syndrome. And, you know, as I talked afterwards to a lot of my friends. Um, I have a few friends. I kind of have a group of people in my life that are sort of my uh, board of directors. You know, like the people when you're facing a big decision or you're facing some moment of self-realization, these are the people that you talk to about it and get their opinions. It's kind of like if if you had a war room These are the people you want in that war room to help you kind of understand certain situations. And as I was talking to to them, my closest friends, my wife, they all are very confident people, very successful people. And every single one of them said at some point, even up to the like within the last few weeks, have felt this self-doubt or this imposter syndrome. And I guess I was actually a bit hesitant to even share this story and to share these feelings, but I think understanding that everybody, every single person on earth, no matter what they're doing, have faced this idea, this concept, this self-doubt, the imposter syndrome. Everybody has had that at some point. And that is important to understand because especially if you're starting something new, like I said earlier, a new hobby, a new sport, whatever, or a new career even, or even if you're like 48 weeks into something (laughs) or, you know, five years or six years or whatever, and these feelings come up, that doesn't mean you should stop. It doesn't mean you should stop going after a goal or trying something new or stop being brave. It means in that moment, you have the opportunity to practice how you are going to handle the little negative thoughts that you give yourself. 
how are you going to be able to overcome your own hesitations, your own self-doubt, your own negative self-talk? So just that's part of being brave. And her whole book, Gutsy Girl, is about being bold, being courageous, not being afraid of making mistakes, not being afraid of even maybe possibly looking silly in the pursuit of something greater than you or a seemingly impossible goal. And that's what being brave is all about. So, you know, if you're relating to this and you're thinking of a situation where you felt not quite up to par, you should go into it with like logical thinking. Obviously, there's going to be someone better than you, smarter than you, more competent, maybe more experienced. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't still pursue your goal. It doesn't mean that that shouldn't stop you. Self-doubt, if you let self-doubt stop you, then you have a problem. If you go into a situation understanding that you are going to have self-doubt at times and you are going to, you know, maybe have this (laughs) imposter syndrome, then you can use those feelings to empower you. And so that's what we're shooting for here, guys. So whatever you're doing, use whatever obstacles that you face or adversity that you face to become better and become more empowered. All right, so that's pretty much all I want to say about that. (laughs) We'll talk more about it in the future, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, I hope you guys love the podcast, though. I mean, like I said, Caroline was freaking awesome. She had a very important message to share, and I hope we all can pass it along to the daughters, the nieces, the friends in our lives. Um, And honestly, the book, it's called Gutsy Girl. It's meant to empower girls. But it's, it can be empowering to any kid. So if you have a young adult in your life who are going through the, the twangs and the painfulness of uh, adolescence or teenage, teenageism, I think I'm going to make that a word. If it's not, I would highly suggest you buying this book for them. Uh, they'll be entertained, inspired and empowered to have their own adventures. So thank you, Caroline. You rock. I can't wait to read more of your of your books, your articles. Um, hopefully you do some more TED Talks too because the, like I said, the one uh, that I checked out, which once again is called To Raise Brave Girls, Encourage Adventure. It's excellent. It's mind-blowing and it's one of the best TED Talks and speeches that I've ever seen. So that's awesome. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, go back and check out some of our previous episodes. Uh, You can find that on likeabigfoot.com. And if you want to help us out, subscribe and leave us a quick review on iTunes. And uh, that would rock. It would help me out. (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to come back at you next week. We're going to do part two of coach Shane Doughty as he basically, I guess the story of, of Shane, and he's one of my closer friends. Um, the story is that he is a guy relentlessly pursuing his dream 
to become a college football coach. And he's coming from a place of never playing in college, not starting for a Division I team, and basically starting from the absolute bottom of the totem pole and working his way up. And I'm proud to say now he's a Division II positions coach for Missouri S&T, but just his journey, his story of, of struggle and hustle is really inspiring. So come back for that. It's going to be a good chat. Um, we'll hear some lessons from Shane. And uh, yeah, guys, go out and have an adventure this week. Be brave. Be bold. Start something of your own. And uh, just just get after it. All right. Talk to you later.